Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. Well, Lewis, believe it or not, this is the 200th episode of this podcast. We started in March 2017. John Dunn, let's get too uh, nostalgic, but how about listening to a clip from our first podcast? So, Lewis, I was interested. I noticed in, that you wrote about Betsy DeVos in her first week. What was she up to, and, and what does it signify, if anything, about uh, directions she might take as Secretary of Education? Well, uh, it's actually a second week. She had a few days last week. This is a, has been a first full week on the job, and it's true, after being the center of attention for quite a Seemed like forever before her confirmation, she kind of dropped off the map, except for education. Well, a lot has happened since that first broadcast. We have a new president and a new secretary of education. I'll editorialize a bit. Uh, I think that's fortunate on many fronts, but especially as it relates to education. Well, on a sorrowful note from, I guess, my end, Lewis, uh, fittingly, I suppose, and coincidentally, this is a moment of transition for both the podcast and for EdSource. You're stepping down as executive director, and this is your last week. Your successor is Ann Vasquez, and next week I'll be interviewing her on the podcast. That's great, John. We're thrilled that Ann, who has been with EdSource for the last couple of years as director of content and strategic initiatives, will be stepping into the executive director role. She's a super experienced journalist passionate about education. I think she's going to be fantastic in leading EdSource in the next stage of its evolution. But today, I thought we should get your thoughts before we let you out the door. EdSource has really grown under your leadership, Lewis, and it has flourished as well. And as we've grown and added staff, we've broadened and branched out on what we cover, and we've become more ambitious about how we cover issues and events doing what's been a a really a monumental decade for education change in California. And I think our podcast reflected that effort. So let's jump in. Let's take the way back machine to your youth in South Africa. I'm curious how growing up in South Africa has influenced your work. Well, of course, growing up during the apartheid years, it has had a profound impact Uh, One of my great moments, both in my life and in journalism, was watching Nelson Mandela cast his first vote in April 1994, affirming that fundamental change is possible. The issue of race and how we approach that has been something that I've had to deal with and confront from a privileged position, I would have to say. And really, I have felt over many years that the United States should have been further ahead Apartheid is dead in South Africa, not to say there aren't challenges with the education system. They're still vastly unequal. You know, one of the distressing things about the United States is that we're still dealing with so many similar issues. Uh, We still have separation and segregation in too many of our schools. And uh, I'm left, you know, with a profound feeling that we should be doing more and we could be doing more, and that change is possible. I mean, that is what the South African experience tells us. But I think one of the great things is that race is now on the table in a, in a more direct way than it's been in the 40-plus uh, years that I've been in the United States most of my adult life. 
And that is something that's very encouraging. Well, you know, you started out not in journalism, but working with young people in the Bay Area in special education after getting your Ph.D. in anthropology from UC Berkeley. You were an executive director of Youth News in Oakland, and you directed youth programs at Pacific News Service, which was also the New America Media. So how did these experiences shape your, your view of education, Lewis? Well, I have to say, I think my work in the classroom in special education has really shaped my work for many decades. And unless one's been in the classroom, it's hard to really appreciate how difficult it is. Uh, I think everybody has an opinion about education, both the journalists and non-journalists, because everybody's been to school, so they think they know how to do it. But uh, teaching is hard. And so I think that experience has informed my writing and I think hopefully has informed the work we've done at EdSource as well, really appreciating the incredible work that teachers do and how difficult it is and, and the challenges of reforms. You can't just snap your fingers and a reform happens and it's introduced in the classroom. Uh, reform is hard and it's complex and uh, teachers are the ones who have to do it, and they are dealing with dozens of kids and sometimes hundreds of kids, and having an impact on those kids is, is really hard. John, your wife was a teacher, so you've experienced the challenges vicariously. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Lewis. You know, my, my education was shaped at the dinner table as yours was in the classroom, but let me skip ahead. You spent a decade at the uh, San Francisco Chronicle, where you were an education reporter, a Washington correspondent, a columnist, and a member of the editorial board. Then you were founding director and senior education reporter at California Watch, which really was a, a pioneering nonprofit journalism venture. But a decade ago, in 2011, you came to EdSource. Back then, the future of EdSource was uncertain. So why did you take the job, and what was your vision for EdSource in 2011. Well, I just want to remind our listeners that EdSource was founded in 1977 and had done stellar work for many decades when I came on board. And I do have to uh, do a shout out to my predecessors, uh, Barbara Levin and Trish Williams, uh, the executive director who I took over from. She was in her post for 20 years before being appointed to the State Board of Education by Governor Brown. So I've only done this for 10 years, so a relatively short uh, period of time by its sources standards, only had three executive directors in 44 years. But, uh, you know, basically, uh, EdSource was founded before the, the Internet was even uh, an idea, and we had to kind of bring it into the new communications age. And so we added a, a journalism arm, and John, you were the first to join us with Kathy Barron almost 10 years ago, and uh, it's really been a fantastic partnership, and it's been an experiment. We've seen how this has grown over the years, and EdSource now has kind of emerged as a model for state-based education reporting. You know, Lewis, it was a, a time of change in the industry when you came. There was a lot less coverage in education and newspapers at the same time that Governor Jerry Brown was leading his charge for local control. So how is that complicated reporting on education by EdSource and, and other newspapers and journalism outlets? Yeah, John, that's a very good question. And as I mentioned before, everybody thinks they know about how schools should be run. And that includes uh, people in the journalism industry. But I think this is an example of where local control of schools, which has 
its virtues. And as you know, basic way we run our schools is a challenge when it comes to reporting on it. We have uh, 10,000 schools, 1,000 school districts in California, and then the whole early ed sector, post-secondary, 115 community colleges, 23 CSU campuses, 10 UC campuses. And so to cover all these institutions is almost impossible. And I would say it is impossible. And there are many, many, many school districts and regions of the state where there's almost no coverage or even none at all. These are what we call media deserts. And so that is a real challenge for covering education. Even to cover one district, uh, you might have one education reporter at a newspaper or one at a TV station or radio station. And uh, how can you cover all those schools? So I think that is one of the challenges of reporting on education. How do we not only cover what's happening nationally, even statewide is a challenge, but then really bringing kind of that watchdog function to what's happening at a local level, which is, of course, where so many of the decisions are made in terms of what's happening in the classroom. Yeah, I mean, local control really relies on the involvement of the community and the knowledge of the community and getting involved in the local control accountability plans, you know, just go to the hearings and understand what's going on. Yeah, John, and that's why I think those reforms of trying to the local control and accountability plans, which were really supposed to elevate the role of parents, students, teachers, staff, and the whole community in like really pressuring school districts to do what they are supposed to be doing. And I think those reforms still haven't been you know, fully implemented and uh, still a lot of work to be done on that level because you can't, as much as EdSource tries to do it, we can't be watching all schools and all education institutions across the state. Yeah, I remind people of that every day, Lewis, because there are tremendous expectations on us as well. But, you know, we've covered a lot of changes over the past decade in the state. And, you know, these started shifting well before the end of No Child Left Behind with Jerry Brown. And we started focusing as a state on student wellness. We've moved somewhat the discussion from strictly talking about the achievement gap to the opportunity gap. You know, what are the conditions of learning? Are you hopeful for where we are in California at this critical moment when, in fact, we've got more money than we've seen before to be spent in a short amount of time? A great opportunity here, but are you hopeful we're going to reach and meet that challenge? I do have some concerns that while there's been a lot of focus on education in the last year, more so perhaps than at any time I can recall because of the profound impact that the pandemic has had on education, there's a lot of talk about reinventing education, rethinking, transforming education, all of which is to the good. But um, I have some fears that the very promising reforms that were in place before the pandemic struck, the new system of accountability that was in place, that some of this may kind of get shoved aside as people are thinking about what we should be doing next. So I think that the challenge is to continue to work at making sure those reforms fulfill their potential, as well as looking at what else is needed to ensure that all kids succeed in California. You know, Lewis, we could talk about this for hours, but I decided it would be fun for you to hear from a few of those you know to share their thoughts on your contributions to the cause of advancing the interests of California kids. You know, you may recognize some of these voices. 
Okay, John, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Bring it on. Hi, Lewis. I'm sure your next adventure will be as exciting as your last. It's been great working with you at EdSource, and I look forward to whatever is in the next chapter for you and hope to be part of it. Okay, so John, this is a test. Uh, now, that's uh, Linda Darling-Hammond, and uh, really that's been one of the great things about the last 10 years is is working with Linda, and Linda's been a tremendous supporter of EdSource and really valued working with her. Yeah, she's been uh, in so many roles, Lewis, the president of the State Board of Education, emeritus professor at Stanford and, and CEO of Learning Policy Institute, and most important of all, she's been a frequent guest on our podcast. So uh, let me give you another one. Let's try it again. See if you recognize. Whenever I'm traveling across the country and I mention EdSource, I'm surprised how many people step up and say, we know EdSource. That's because of your hard work and the outstanding staff that you have there. So congratulations, my friend. All the best. Well, that is the unmistakable voice of Carl Cohn, who actually did a series of podcasts for EdSource in the last couple of years, which we really appreciated. Carl was president of EdSource, and in fact, uh, twisted my arm to take this job and has been a, a mentor as well as a leader in California education in his own right. California has benefited from great education leaders, and we've just heard from two of them. So, Lewis, tell us, what do you plan to do next? One of the biggest issues facing education is to figure out how to get kids excited about education, to foster what we call intrinsic motivation, to engage young people in their education so they're motivated by what they are learning rather than by grades or test scores or what they're studying will translate into a job. Although that's not to diminish the importance of these. You know, I'm thinking back on Jaime Escalante and the movie Stand and Deliver, which I'm sure many of you recall. Jaime Escalante was the, the legendary math teacher at Garfield High School in East Los Angeles in the 1980s, and he was trying to inspire in his kids uh, what is called in Spanish ganas, the desire to master discipline and to succeed. I want to really look at who is doing the best work to get kids excited about learning, and I think this is going to be super important when kids get back to school this fall. It can't be just sending them back into classrooms where they weren't fully engaged, where they were bored, where they didn't see the relevance of what they were doing. So we want to capture a kid's enthusiasm for getting back to school, but figure out how to sustain the interest and excitement once they get there. Lewis, I'm excited to hear you say that. As we say to our guests so often, we will have you back on the podcast to catch up and see what you're up to. Okay, John, I, I look forward to that. Well, let's go out with a couple more comments from people you know. First, we'll hear from Al Maharis, who is a board member of EdSource and Orange County Superintendent of Schools. And then we're going to hear from Michelle Sikeros, who runs the Campaign for College Opportunity. Dear Lewis, my brother, I'm reminded of the profound quote by C.S. Lewis. The task of the modern educator is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate deserts. You have assembled a remarkable team of smart, caring people and unleashed them. Look what we got. An award-winning organization delivering a multimedia education platform for California and beyond. 
Lois, I've truly appreciated your insightful coverage of higher education at EdSource over the last decade. You never wavered from asking the tough questions and from digging really deep into every single story. Thank you for everything that you did and thank you for bringing it forward with so much class and an amazing accent to boot. Good luck. Well, Michelle, glad you've appreciated the accent. And both Michelle and Alma Harris are two of the great leaders in education in California, and I'm looking forward to staying in touch with them. So, Lewis, before I let you take it out for one last time, I just want to say I've enjoyed working with you on the podcast and at EdSource for nine years. It's been a great experience for me, and thank you. And John, well, I, I think the feelings are mutual. <laughs> I can't believe we did 200 of these. Uh, but uh, John, you're just also an essential voice uh, in California education. And it's been a real pleasure and privilege to have worked with you. And I know we're going to be working in other contexts as well. And that wraps it up for this week's podcast. Uh, seeing we're doing thanks, I do want to thank all our sponsors and the over dozen foundations. I unfortunately can't mention them all. They're listed on our website. But all the foundations and more importantly, the people at those foundations that have supported our work over the past many decades. I also need to thank Kobe McDonald, our trusted and skilled producer who was uh, behind the scenes uh, for the last hundred of these podcasts. And as always, our music is from Nate Schwartz Jazz Orchestra and Ed Source's own Justin Allen. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fenskerwald. Thanks for listening. Stay well. And I will be back next week.